to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for ASHP's Practice Journeys podcast. This podcast invites members to share their stories about their professional path, lessons learned, and how their experiences shaped who and where they are today. My name is Bailey Larson, Strategic Initiatives Associate and today we will be chatting with Kelly Mush about her experience with ASHP as an ASHP Executive Committee member, as well as hearing about her current role at Ohio Health. We also welcome Carly Lau, Director of Member Relations at ASHP, to share information that is relevant to members regarding the New Practitioners Forum and how ASHP works to support this member group as they support their colleagues. Thank you very much for joining us today. Kelly, I'm so excited to have you share your story with listeners today. For those of you that don't know Kelly yet, she is site manager of pharmacy services and residency coordinator for the PGY1, PGY2 Health System Pharmacy Administration and Leadership Residency at Ohio Health Grant Medical Center. I've been lucky to work with Kelly in 2021, and she is an ambitious go-getter that continues to advocate for the profession. Kelly, how did you start your involvement with ASHP, and how did your engagement change over time? Thanks, Bailey and Carly, for having me today. I'm really excited to be with you and sharing some of my journey with our listeners. So great first question to kick us off. Um, I first heard about ASHP as a pharmacy student. I got involved as a P1 in our student society chapter at Ohio Northern University. But it wasn't until I served on the executive board that I really got engaged in some of the opportunities at both the state and national level. During my years as SSHP president, I applied for the APPI rotation at ASHP and was over the moon and fortunate to have been selected for the month of September with Jill Haub at the old headquarter location. Um, so I have not seen the new headquarters yet. But September, for those of you who may not know, is when policy week occurs. I did not know that at the time, but I remember going and being there for all the excitement and my eyes were wide open. I had the opportunity to connect with many leaders in our profession, and I was sold on my future. So I can thank ASHP and its members for helping me to find my passion and encourage me to pursue my dreams. I was fortunate to match with Ohio Health Grant Medical Center for their PGY-12 Health System Pharmacy Administration residency program in Columbus, Ohio, and concurrently complete a master's degree at Ohio State. A mentor and dear friend of mine, also a highly engaged ASHP member, Ashley Duty was actually the person who first encouraged me to apply for the new practitioner forum advisory group. Um, I remember being overwhelmed with excitement when I got the email that I was appointed to the career development advisory group. That is one that still exists today. Some of the names have changed over time. Um, but the new practitioner forum is its just such a special place. You're working with pharmacists that are exactly where you are in your career, new and trying to figure out where you fit, um, where do you go from here with your career, um, the advisory groups are a hot spot of innovation. So how it kind of works is the executive committee will develop charges that are then cascaded and executed by the advisory groups. There's a lot of opportunity to network, collaborate, and create some really cool and impactful deliverables. My first year, I used my recent experience navigating PPS for HSPA interviews and developed the first PPS navigation guide. Um, all of that is still being used today. My second year, I was selected as a work group lead. Um, I was really excited to be one of the busy bodies of the advisory groups um, and created the first version of the CV Transitions Toolkit. Both of those documents have been expanded upon and updated over time, and they are utilized so often by our members. 
my third year in the forum, I was selected as the chair of the Career Development Advisory Group. The chair really serves as the facilitator, cheerleader, and coach for the entire 20-ish member advisory group. I work to encourage my team, provide direction where needed, organize, and communicate. In fact, three of my work group leads ended up becoming advisory group chairs the following year and joined me on the executive committee the year after that. So it really goes to show that um, networking is a huge part of these advisory groups and long-standing relationships thereafter. In 2018, I launched the executive committee as a member. I have the unique vantage point where I served for three terms on the executive committee. So I followed vice chair in 2019-20 and chair in 2020-21. And you probably can guess, but I'm going through a bit of withdrawal, not spending time with my new practitioner friends as my term ended just a few months ago. As part of the executive committee, I had the opportunity to meet countless new practitioners across the nation, serve as the liaison to multiple advisory groups, see hundreds of deliverables come through to completion, advocate for our member needs in the House of Delegates and through our councils and commissions, encourage donor behavior and increase engagement in the ASHP PAC, and connect with other sections or arms of ASHP. Um, one example was meeting with the AJHP editor-in-chief to brainstorm ideas to meet research preparedness gaps for new practitioners. This past year, we really stepped outside the box to create a community for new practitioners on social media. Um, we have a Twitter handle at ASHP underscore MPS, and our account has been a huge success at unifying our members, highlighting resources, and providing the necessary support for each of our new practitioners' success. Um, it's something we wanted to do for a really long time, and now we're doing it really well. Um, we also have a wildly popular networking event. Um, there's one that occurs at the ASHP mid-year if you are attending this year. If you're in your first five years of practice and listening to this today, your first step to get engaged is to go over to Twitter and follow the at ASHP MPS. So as I look ahead, I want to stay engaged in ASHP as it really has become my professional home. Um, and at this point in time, I'm excited to be a section of pharmacy educators, postgraduate education and learning experiences section advisory group member. We actually just kicked off our first meeting this week. Wow, thanks Kelly. The new advisory group is definitely lucky to have you. I loved hearing about how you just kept challenging yourself and going for more and more within ASHP. The deliverables you have helped create have no doubt been shared and helped hundreds if not thousands of other new practitioners. I know you're presenting at mid-year this year and I can't wait to see what else you continue to do within ASHP. So let's go to Carly now. Carly, clearly New Practitioners Forum was a huge part of Kelly's career journey. Can you give us an overview of what New Practitioners Forum or NPF is and where it fits into the ASHP landscape? Yes, thank you, Bailey. So ASHP has multiple sections and forums that members can participate in. The sections focus more on practice areas or practice interests, such as the section of ambulatory care, inpatient care practitioners, or clinical specialists. Forums are different in that it focuses on a career demographic. So for the new practitioners forum, any ASHP member who's within the first five years of practice following graduation is automatically a member of the forum. The forum serves really as a home and a voice for new practitioners as they transition into pharmacy practice, and it offers a variety of resources and engagement opportunities unique to new practitioners for any stage in their career. So as a new practitioner, you may be transitioning from a student to a resident, to a fellow, or to your first job. And the forum is really there to support you through each step of that career journey. And it offers an opportunity 
for professional development and collaboration with other new practitioners. And like Kelly mentioned, the forum currently has six advisory groups that are comprised of about 120 members total. And they, they work to find solutions to member needs and develop some really great resources for new practitioners. So that includes things like Kelly mentioned, we have the new practitioner toolkit, career transition toolkit, research tips, and then countless other podcasts and resources relevant to new practitioners. Thanks, Carly. I know that the New Practitioners Forum is making significant progress and lots of great work. Let's transition a little bit to your day job, Kelly. How did ASHP foster and cultivate your career development? Yeah, I, I love that question. So in my time with the New Practitioners Forum and ASHP to date, um, I have had the opportunity to work with and create lasting relationships with peers, many of which I still work with in many aspects of my actual day job and career today. Um, I have countless examples of ways that ASHP has connected me to some amazing people. That includes job opportunities, webinars, podcasts like today, research, papers, CEs at conferences, you know, like Bailey talked about the upcoming mid-year and simply checking in on one another. There are things that you learn in pharmacy school and those are expanded on during residency training, but professional organization involvement fills this gap to hone your skills in a different way. There are countless skills I've developed as a member and a leader in ASHP, many of which I would not have fostered without the men mentorship from members and staff along the way. A few include leading and interacting with virtual teams, because if you think about it, you're working with a lot of cool people who live in all different places across the country. Leading teams that you've not established a prior relationship with, oftentimes you know only their name um, and where they work and what they do. Um, effective meeting facilitation, communication on a broad scale, problem solving, adaptability, especially in the pandemic, playing the role of mentor or coach, Responding to feedback effectively, leading in the gray because there's a lot that's unknown in a lot of parts of the world um, in our profession, extending trust and maintaining integrity through decision making. With everything going on in life, it can be sometimes easy to deprioritize a volunteer opportunity such as a professional organization. For me, I found the value and joy in the projects developed and the relationships established that I kept going. And many times that's where my joy and passion for the profession continue to be fueled. You know, your day job can get really hard sometimes. Um, and you're working through problems that really can drive that passion away. Um, and so being involved, especially in ASHP, is what helped me to practice my skill set and really to continue to be engaged in our profession. Um, as you heard me say earlier, meeting leaders through ASHP functions changed the course of my career trajectory. The people and connections cannot be oversold. There have been numerous occasions where a connection in ASHP shared a job posting with me, shared a best practice, or even reached out to me and said, hey, Kelly, I know that you're working on this. Um, what would your advice be in this situation? Um, hyped my accomplishments, which helps that imposter syndrome that we're going to talk about in a bit, um, or gave me professional advice when I needed the most. These are just a few examples of how ASHP has been absolutely instrumental to my personal and professional career development. I'm so happy to hear that. You talked a little bit about challenges with your current position. Can you share a little bit what challenges you're currently dealing with and how you handle these and then maybe touch on any career transitions you've had 
and how you have navigated those? The first five years of practice are challenging. You're navigating a lot of transitions, workplace politics, imposter syndrome, a variety of firsts, like precepting your first appy or resident and more. Personally, in my first five years as a pharmacist, I completed PGY-1, PGY-2 in health system pharmacy administration, achieved a master's degree. After residency, my first job was managing Ohio Health's freestanding emergency departments and system float pool. I had a really cool opportunity to open five eight-bed freestanding ADs and design a lot of hands-on yet virtual pharmacy support model, leveraging advanced technician roles. I even launched a pharmacist-managed post-discharge culture review program under a consult agreement, which was the first for our system. I took on leading a longitudinal leadership and professional development rotation for the Grant Medical Center residents in 2018, which was a gap that I had identified in my own residency training. And I started taking my own AFI students in 2019. To add on to that, in December 2019, I had the opportunity to make a move and return to my residency site as the site manager of pharmacy services. Not long after we entered, or I started that position, we entered the COVID-19 pandemic. So I laugh and joke all the time that I'm still trying to figure out what my job really is. Um, but at a high level, I'm responsible for regulatory finances and oversight of all operations. I precept a variety of rotations and serve as the residency coordinator for our HSPAL residency program. I work with some amazing people. I couldn't be more thankful for my leadership team and associates. These are just the high points of my personal career transitions. And as I reflect today, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about how much has happened in such a short period of time. ASHP and the New Practitioners Forum has put together a plethora of resources to help you succeed. There are a few that Carly talked about already, um, but ones that I found extremely valuable in my journey. And some of those include, you know, first, let's talk about mentorship. You know, connect with a mentor to discuss job opportunities and how to leverage their professional network. My mentor, who was also my RPD, helped me to find myself in my residency training, and they helped to remove the fluff in my job search process. Um, also, recent residents shared their experiences, both positive and negative, so I could learn from them. You know, I was fortunate in this situation to have a mentor, but I also got connected through the ASHP mentor match to other individuals across the country who maybe had some information that could help me along my journey. So if you, if you don't have a mentor today, that would be a great place to start. If you are finishing residency, grab the guide on transitioning from PGY-1 to PGY-2 or from residency to the workforce. If you've been in your first role and you're looking for something new, check out the ASHP Career Transitions Resource Center. These resources help me to navigate the process and make sure all the boxes were checked along the way keeping me and my passions at the center of what was next. Some of the best feedback I've gotten is when I was vulnerable with a preceptor or a mentor through a mock interview or a CV review. A great tool to use to practice and record your phone and interview skills is via interview stream. The CV Transitions Toolkit and CV Review Program are ones that I even still use today. I have received so much useful feedback on my CV that I now lead workshops to help my residents evolve their personal brand. And I'll hit it again, these processes connect you to so many great ASHP members who have a plethora of experience to share with you. We've already talked about relationships, but that has definitely been my key in navigating a career transition. Uh, the people have really made the jobs worth it. Have they, they've really been there when I needed them the most. 
Um, and many of those people, as we've talked about, are ASHP members. The ASHP preceptor toolkit and the busy day preceptor resources are ones that I started to use as I launched into being a primary preceptor. As a resident, you get some experience as being a primary preceptor, but really you still have that kind of safety net around you. And now you're like, oh my gosh, I'm responsible for this learner and I have to teach them things. So I am still working on developing myself as a preceptor, but I'm also responsible for developing my preceptor core as a residency program leader. Um, and so these two resources have been really helpful for me in getting started and being able to practice and get feedback on them along the way. I want to make it important to note here that, you know, you have to celebrate your milestones and accomplishments. So ASHP has been my hype squad, but also you're your own hype squad, and that's how you're going to squash that imposter syndrome, which really creeps in pretty often. And currently, I'm using the FASHP criteria as a guide to my own continuous professional development. I actually started doing this after listening to a recent ASHP podcast. For me, I'm taking what I learned through the forum and starting to apply that to state affiliate involvement. Um, I was recently elected the division director-elect for membership media and marketing of the Ohio Society of Health System Pharmacists. And a lot of the things that we're talking about of ways to meet our members are things that we've done really well in the new practitioners forum. So a lot applies there at a different stage in my career. I'm working also on the ASHP Sterile Compounding Certificate Program, which will help me better understand different regulations and requirements um, and potentially prepare me for a board certification exam in the future. I also am a peer reviewer with AJHP, which helps me to practice some of my skill set in effective writing, manuscripts, and research processes. I often pull a resident or a learner in with me when I'm doing those so we can talk through them and learn through the experience. And I am also mentoring a previous resident through their first publication. So being able to use some of the things I've learned along the way with those involvement opportunities has applied forward um, to my learners. So these are just a few examples of kind of things that I've used that have helped me in those different career transition points. And I'm sure that there are things that I could still find that I would need that maybe aren't there yet. So I, I plug that to say, we need continued member involvement and engagement because you're going to think of things that maybe doesn't exist today as a member resource, but that's where you as an advisory group member, chair, executive committee member would have the opportunity to constantly develop those tools for success in yourself and also for the members. So make sure you keep checking back on the website for leadership opportunities, but also to see what new information and toolkits are available for your use. Great call to action. I also appreciate your honesty and openness about some of the challenges and what you have done to smooth your career transitions, and I know others will too. I'm not sure how you have time to do all this, honestly, including all your work with the State Society. Carly, since you work so closely with over 120 new practitioners through NPF, as you mentioned, do you have any additional don't miss offerings regarding membership, career transitions, interviews, etc.? I think Kelly covered many of them, and as you can tell, there are a lot, and new resources are always being added and refreshed. A couple other items I can think to mention include board certification resources, and then we also have a resource center that's focused on research. So this resource center outlines and provides guidance for each step of the research process, especially for those who may not have that much 
experience conducting research. Also with mid-year coming up and it being virtual again this year, last year the advisory groups created a lot of resources around preparing for a virtual residency showcase, PPS, and just virtual interviewing in general. So these items will be helpful again this year for anyone who's attending the mid-year in December. Great, thanks. Kelly, you always seem to be looking ahead and towards the future. So I'm curious, can you share some of your future goals with us? I am passionate about the profession and want to help to continue to advance it. I'm not sure at this point if there's a title or position um, specifically in my future goals, but some of the things on my list include assisting in practice advancement, inclusive of both pharmacists and technicians, using the guidance of PAI 2030, um, and of course, the ideas of my associates. This includes growth in my own service line um, or maybe things that I haven't thought about today. I actually think my team does a spectacular job pushing the boundaries and we need to do better as an organization at sharing that with the profession. I'm also a big advocate for women in the workplace. Um, this goal was first fueled by women in pharmacy leadership work through ASHP. I brought a lot of those lessons back to Ohio Health and our women's business resource group, which is called We Lead, Women Empowering Leaders, educators, administrators, and doctors. We work under the diversity inclusion arm of Ohio Health to support the need of women and advocate for their equal role in the workplace. Our mission is one I believe in, which is to advance an inclusive culture where all women can thrive. I hope to work in partnership with this group, Ohio Health, the City of Columbus, the State of Ohio, and ASHP to continue to advocate for women in the workplace. I want to advance my knowledge of industry disruptors and programs that support underserved patients. I think that if you talk about a health system pharmacy leader, they need to be forward thinking um, and understanding what are the things that are around me or things that I could institute would help me to be a bit more proactive in my leadership style and decision-making for my team. I wanna develop as a preceptor and a residency leader in order to assist the development of my preceptor core as a whole and enhancing our programs offered. I also want to work in roles that test my leadership skills at different levels. This might include a promotional opportunity in my day job or a volunteer opportunity. I am in a program offered through Ohio Health for high potential leaders. It's called SPARK, and I'm honored to have been selected. As part of that program, I have been assigned an executive coach to hone some of these skills and really be intentional about the goals that I set for my career. So I also think there's probably more things that I haven't thought about or really come to a conclusion yet of what's next for some of my career goals, but I'm excited about the opportunity to see what's next. It's evident that career development is important to you, and you mentioned mentors that you've had and the team that you now manage. What would you say is your leadership style? This is a really good question, Bailey, and um, I actually, when I was thinking about kind of some of these things, I went and asked some of my staff because I was like, you know, you think that you're one way, but are you really what you think that you are and the way that you lead. So personally, I wanted to be a manager because I wanted to develop people. People are the reason that I wanted to pursue this pathway. And, you know, like I talked about earlier, being at Policy Week, I just really didn't realize that it was something I could start my career off doing versus maybe finding later on. Um, and so that's where that passion connected to be early in my career. But I remember being on appy rotations and I was worried that I picked the wrong profession. 
I was like, do I actually like being a pharmacist? But after a lot of reflecting, because no panic, I love being a pharmacist. I realized that I didn't want to be the person that was necessarily providing that direct patient care. I saw the value. I wanted that work to happen. I wanted to advance it. And I wanted to be the person that was advocating for others to do the work. So really being the one behind the scenes saying, you know, pharmacists and technicians can work at the top of their license, credentials, and training, and this is how they do that. So my passion for people is paired with a passion for practice advancement, which drives what I hope is my authentic leadership style. If we're going by textbooks, I would say that my associates would categorize me as a democratic leader. And in talking to some of them, I sounds like that is what they would describe me as. I believe firmly in bottom-up decision-making. The people that do the work know how to optimize and improve it. I can communicate their needs, advocate on their behalf, work to institute changes that support those needs. I showcase empathy and care about my people. And actually, almost to a fault, you know, when you said, I don't know how you do it all, it's, I'm always putting everybody else above my own needs, which can be a fault. And probably at this point, you can tell that I'm an Enneagram too. Culture is very important to me. I do my best to extend trust, and my team and I are working hard on how emotions play a role in the workplace. So, personally, you know, what is my understanding of my own emotions? Am I emotionally literate? How do I delegate and extend trust to others when emotions may be involved? I aspire in my leadership style to incorporate strategic and transformational attributes. And we'll see if some of that goals and developments and spending time with my coach gets me there. You totally are too. I can totally see that. <laughs> you touched on non-traditional pharmacy roles without maybe even meaning to also. So you mentioned a little bit about this earlier, but on a more kind of personal note, what uh, personal and professional advice do you have for new practitioners or those like you who are phasing out? I really appreciate this question because just like you said, it's exactly where I am. Navigating this transition between new practitioner and just practitioner, whatever we're called now that we're not new. <laughs> First, I think that um, everyone thinks that they're the only one who feels like they have no clue what they're doing. That is false. We all struggle with some version of imposter syndrome. If you went and asked someone else, they may not tell you right away, but then they'll think about it later and then they'll say, yep, I do feel these feelings where I don't know what I'm doing. The key is to keep those fears in check and maybe some positive affirmation along the way will fill the bucket, but get comfortable with taking risks and entering into the unknown. We're all just doing our best and figuring out along the way. It's how you respond, develop, and move forward that will define you. Remember, one foot in front of the other, and you know more tomorrow than you did yesterday. Find your people, mentors, colleagues, support groups. Um, many of mine in all categories have to be people I've met through professional organization involvement. That, for me, is why it's been such a blessing to maintain organizational involvement during the stress of the pandemic. Always so validating to me to talk with my connections made through ACHP and hear that I'm not the only one who's maybe feeling the way I do, experiencing certain challenges, or really struggling to figure out where you go from here in a certain project or process. We can always slow down work and put things on hold where needed. As long as you continue that engagement, those people will help you along the way. 
And I would say humble inquiry, ask questions, don't be afraid to ask for help. One of the things that's most disheartening for me to hear, you know, even when we're talking about, you know, navigating a, a ASHP is why I didn't know that or no one ever told me, take your development into your own hands to get the exposure to all the opportunities that are in front of you. You know, it, as we start, as I start to navigate this, what's next, it's really thinking about where do I want to go and how can ASHB be a part of that journey? Um, so you're not feeling like, you know, just because, you know, you did all these things in the new practitioner's form means you have to do the exact same thing somewhere else. Like I'm in a different place in my life now than I was five years ago. And so how can I continue to evolve, develop, advance, and use the professional organization as a piece of that equation? So I guess I would say, you know, new practitioners or those that are phasing out, really keep your eyes wide open to the world around you. There's lots of opportunities that you likely may not have even thought about. Ask those questions and start to take some risk. Such good advice. Thank you for sharing all those I don't even want to call them tips. There's so much more than tips. I appreciate you sharing those. So I'm a seven, which is the enthusiast. Uh, you're a two, which is the helper. Carly, you're a three or a nine. <laughs> but I think both of those can definitely lead to burnout. And you talked a little bit about that earlier. ASHP is, you know, focusing on well-being and resilience for clinician burnout. It's been a priority for ASHP. A recent study showed that 53% of health system pharmacists revealed that they have a high degree of burnout. And beyond hospital and health system settings, burnout is just a pervasive problem among pharmacy practice settings. And in the community setting, a study showed 75% of pharmacists also showed high degree of burnout. So we know this is a problem. Can you share a little bit about how you focused on your well-being? And I know you talked about working on prioritizing yourself, but anything else you want to mention and how can ASHP continue to support your personal and professional well-being and resilience kind of toolkit, if you will, for yourself? I think if you would have asked me about well-being and resilience, even three years ago, I probably would have been like, okay, that sounds like some fluffy term that we're just trying to say to make people feel better. But you know, my journey over the last couple of years, and I would say is probably many new practitioners, many seasoned practitioners, professionals, has definitely been tested in what all I'm trying to manage and what does that mean to my own mental health. Christina Martin, who is a previous ASHP associate and, and dear friend of mine, is actually someone who spent time with me to say like, hey, Kelly, are you doing okay today? Like, what are you working on for yourself? Are you taking time for you? And I remember being like, wow, no one's ever really asked me those things before. And it was one of the first times that uh, I felt like this is actually important. It's not just some buzzword or term that's out there. This is, is a priority. And, you know, as a leader, you know, it's something I, I now am intentional about when I'm working with my staff to say, how are you doing? What's going on? Like, it doesn't have to be all business all the time. Are you okay? Do you have the time that you need to be your best self in the workplace? So one of the things I've really in the last couple of months prioritized is myself. You need to put yourself above all else. No matter what is happening along the way, you need to be well and healthy in your career. Um, otherwise, the things that you're doing in your career won't matter at all. 
you know, you may have lost the things that are most important to you. Maybe that's family, friends, your favorite hobbies, your personal joy. Um, and then that will translate to anger, frustration, compassion, fatigue um, in the workplace. Um, and you won't be able to bring your best self and advance the profession, do the best for our patients and provide holistic care. Um, I've personally really struggled with stress management. My coping strategy has always been, you know, food. And we talked about being an Enneagram too, putting people above myself and their needs. And so I'll stay late at work to finish up a project or a task. And, you know, then I'm trying to solve everyone's problems. And before you know it, you're like, oh my gosh, how is it this hour of the evening? So I run through a fast food restaurant, uh, maybe binge eat. I don't work out. I have poor sleep hygiene. And, you know, this may have been a tactic that I learned in residency, but definitely at that time, we weren't talking about well-being and resiliency. And you're expected to work a ton of hours and, you know, be on all the time. And I just really struggled to transition out of that mindset. Um, and so I actually was working with RAG, um, you know, in the last two years and some of their resources. And they've been really focused on the well-being and resilience toolkit that ASHP has and spotlighting residency programs that are doing projects or putting their residents first in the matter of well-being and resilience. Um, and so they're actually working on spotlighting a few programs um, that are doing this really well. And it was kind of around that time where I was like, you know what, Christina's been talking to me about this. You know, my, we've been talking about it on my team. Like, I'm at a place where I don't feel my best self and I'm going to spend some time and really digest some of this, these resources that are available to me. I, I downloaded Headspace, uh, which was free to me as a member of ASHP um, at the time. I was reading the different resources. I was really listening to some of the podcasts that were talking about preceptor burnout and strategies for improving my own wellness. And something just clicked. I was mentally ready to finally put myself first. So now you fast forward, I'm riding my bike a few times a week. I have a self-care routine with massages and facials. I started Weight Watchers in May and I've lost almost 35 pounds. My husband, Josh, is my accountability buddy and we do it together. And I'm still enjoying life along the way. I'm going to activities, I'm splurging every once in a while. And for the first time, I feel like myself again. And so what I've realized, which I always thought was, you know, it's not something you really need to focus on was when I'm my best self, I bring that to my teams. I bring that to my work and the people that I'm working with. So while this is not something that I would say is completely solved for me, and I'm still working really hard on it, it's definitely a lesson learned that I want to share with anyone listening that if you have thought these resources maybe weren't that important, now is your time to check them out and know that ASHP is committed to your well-being and your resilience. Um, as they have been to my own. And I'm happy to be your mental check-in or accountability partner as you look at where do you go from here. I'm so proud of you. And I hope that this can inspire others to not wait and start taking the steps to check in with themselves and also others. I think that was a great point. And shout out to Christina Martin, a mentor to us all and a well-being and resiliency advocate for so many. Carly, what is ASHP doing to address well-being and resilience? Yes, Bailey. So like you mentioned earlier, this has been and still is a big initiative for ASHP. It's part of our strategic plan. ASHP was an original sponsor of the National Academy of Medicine's Action Collaborative on Clinician Well-Being and Resilience. 
And we have a resource center that Kelly was talking about that's dedicated to well-being and resilience that offers tools and highlights different member stories. Recently, ASHP also launched a professional certificate on this topic. We also have an entire podcast series that's dedicated to Wellbeing Wednesday. And with the help of our members, we continue to create numerous webinars and just online resources to help with member understanding of burnout and implementation of strategies to foster well-being. And also, like Kelly mentioned, as part of your ASHP membership, that does include a free membership to Headspace, which is the meditation and mindfulness app. Thank you. Kelly, this will be our last question. You are just full of great advice and resources. You're like an ASHP encyclopedia. For those that are listening that are saying, yes, this is this is great, but I'm not there yet, or I'm a little overwhelmed with all this. How do you think would be best for them to just start getting involved with New Practitioners Forum? I love this question because I think it really ties together what we're talking about today. And, you know, it may seem really scary to hear about all the things I've talked about and be like, but I don't even know where to get started. Um, so for me, you heard me talk about it earlier. First, what is the forum? Carly talked about you're automatically a member in your first five years of practice. You're probably getting news links that you may not have opened yet. So open one of those up. Read about some of the things that the forum is doing and go to our website. We've got a lot of these toolkits that are very accessible for you to use. And first step is what is the forum and let me read about it. If you want to take that leadership opportunity, a great place to get started is our advisory groups. Um, as you heard us talk about, we have 120 plus members that are currently engaged in advisory groups. And the applications will open in February of 2022. Um, usually they're due around May 1st. Um, so be sure to check the deadline as those get posted. Um, the application is pretty simple. Do you want to be involved and what can you bring to the table? not something you have to spend too much time on and it's, it's a great first step to say yeah I want to work on some projects to help our members and I want to meet other new practitioners across the country. That will also get you exposure to some micro volunteering opportunities throughout the year. You know if ASHP is looking for members to provide feedback on different resources um, or be engaged in residency research conferences as an example. You also can look into appointments. The forum has executive committee appointments, as we talked about. They are currently open now until November 12th. And that's a really great way to be at the more strategic level of the forum and making decisions on a broader scale. Um, that application is a bit more involved, um, but if you're looking for really what's that big place that you can be engaged and involved in, um, the executive committee appointments are also a great place to look out for. And then as you're reading all these news links, you're thinking about advisory groups, you're thinking about executive committees, there are likely going to be other opportunities to engage with the forum throughout the year. So maybe you don't feel like you can commit to something that's that large of a scale. There's a lot of ways that are small opportunities for you to be involved and in connecting with peer members across the country. Kelly, I like that you mentioned those micro-volunteering opportunities because you, you can absolutely start small serve as a poster mentor at mid-year, serve as a CV reviewer, or just ask a question on one of the ASHP Connect communities and just start engaging. Like Kelly said, it's really all about the relationships and the opportunity to network and meet with new members. 
Well, that's all the time we have today. I want to thank Kelly and Carly for joining us to discuss this unique practice journey and opportunities for new practitioners. Join us here at ASHP Official and the Practice Journey Podcast as we learn about how our members seek out, grow, and evolve during their careers. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.